going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. It's been a minute, a little bit of another summer hiatus, if you will. Uh, got pretty busy with just life in general. Both Brett and I had a pretty busy summer individually. Uh, I was up in Northern Virginia doing an internship, working. That was really busy. Five days a week working, and plus the the weekend um, was a little busier than I thought it would be. Just with some personal life stuff and, uh, you know, trying to be an adult in a new city is different. Uh, and now Brett, Brett was working as well. I'll let him talk about that a little bit. But he was also busy. And um, the pod just was something that wasn't necessarily going to happen over the summer. Just, you know, priorities are kind of in place for both of us trying to secure jobs when we are done with college here in the next year, potentially. Um, you know, should we both, you know, graduate and decide we're done with school, trying to secure jobs um kind of get out of here and, and start adult life that does not mean the pod is ending still gonna do the pod but had to kind of work in a little extra a little extra work this summer to, to kind of work on those those plans so with that said the pod is is returning twice a week i'll let brett hit on his summer a little bit first and then we will discuss kind of what the schedule going forward for the pod is before we get into today's uh episode yeah no summer summer went pretty well for me as well um i was back in austin uh, where my family lives, where I live when I'm not at college, and was working there uh, five days a week, had the weekends off, but similar to you, uh, you know, with the weekends being your only free time, you're trying to get as much done as you can, so you're not having to do a whole lot during the week when you're actually working. Um, but yeah, no, good summer overall. Uh, disappointed that we couldn't get any episodes out to y'all over the course of the summer, but nonetheless, we are back, like you said, twice a week. Um, so the way we're going to do it is Every Thursday morning, you're going to get an episode at the same time. I know in the past we've had episodes we recorded and then we've dropped them right after. So they come out kind of scattered on when they release and hit the app or whatever you use to listen to us. But uh, now we're going to be recording the day before. So we're going to be recording Monday, Wednesday, but the episodes are going to be dropping Tuesday and Thursday mornings. Um, so we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to push it out to y'all Thursday morning. And Thursday mornings, we're going to have a football-centered episode where we're going to talk about, you know, NFL, college, what have you. And we're going to kind of give our outlook and not have as many, like, stats and, like, finite news pieces and tools. But we're going to have more so talk about our opinions on games, maybe big games to look for. Uh, We're going to talk about, especially college, talk about betting lines, uh, big games that are starting this weekend, actually. And then for NFL, we got a couple more weeks. Uh, two weeks from when this episode drops will be the first game of the 2023 NFL season. But we're going to touch on NFL next week. Can I give our predictions and, you know, MVP, comeback player, rookie of the year, stuff like that. So this week's going to be football-centered, but even more so college football-centered. Um, so we're going to kick it off here. We are going to each talk about a few week zero games they call it before like the official opening week of college football starts where everyone plays week zero you only have like eight games last year i think we only had one game um at least least one you know like ranked game that we'll watch and there's a couple last year but it was the one that everyone really watched was that uh was florida state lsu if i remember incorrectly i think right maybe i'm wrong i don't know there was not many week zero games worth watching last year i know that but got there's a handful this year we only have three to talk about. Two of them, only two of them have ranked opponents involved. But um, I'm gonna start with the first one, I guess. I, I don't see you want to add anything else to the week zero. I mean, it's 
No, it's yeah, week zero for reason. There's really no. Right. We just picked a few games out of the slate that we yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah. These are the three three games that involve Power Five schools. Uh, two of them have have a ranked opponent in them. First one being USC hosting San Jose State on Saturday. Saturday point spreads USC minus 31. I mean, I'm taking USC to roll and cover the points. Um, first game of Caleb Williams is kind of Heisman defense, if you will. We'll get into Heisman picks later, maybe on, or later on, kind of in the podcast today. But again, the first look at what does Lincoln Riley's team look like going forward, and how are they gonna, you know, adapt to the to, to the shortcomings last year, and what is what is this new look? I don't want to call it new look offense, but they lost a couple of pieces, right? Like they lose Jordan Addison, a couple offensive linemen are gone, so. You know, Travis Dye's not the featured back anymore. What is, how do they revamp? And then what is hopefully a new look defense for them? I know it's, you know, Alex Grinch is still there calling, calling the defense, but they did a lot of work in the portal. Did a lot of work over the offseason. It sounds like to kind of revamp the defense acquired via the portal. I'm going to forget his name. Uh, freshman, a five-star freshman uh, defense tackle from Georgia left the program due to some kind of like conflicts with Kirby Smart. So no idea what went on there, but he landed at USC he was a starter, he beat me down on the starter, but even he played a lot of reps last year for Georgia on that championship defense. So hopefully that'll help them. But again, kind of looking at what does SC look like this year, you know, as as a bigger bigger target on their back than they had last year, if you will. Right, yeah, I think obviously a big spread. Uh, USC fared by 31. We're both going with USC and for them to cover. But our records overall, our cumulative records as we go through the season, are just going to be based off winner-loser. We're not going to factor in spread like we did last year when we did this. Um, But yeah, USC, back to the game. USC-San Jose State, uh, just kind of your classic early season game between a really good team and a really bad team. Um, You know, maybe San Jose State isn't that bad, but they're not great. We'll call Uh, call them not so good. We'll call them not great. Right. We'll say bad. They're just not great. Well, yeah, that game will be interesting. That'll uh, that'll be a 7 p.m. kick Central Time, of course, that we're always talking about um, this Saturday. And then later, um, excuse me, earlier on Saturday in Dublin, Ireland, will be the first game of a college football season at 1.30 p.m. It'll be Navy playing number 13 Notre Dame. Um, I guess Notre Dame's considered the home team Irish in Ireland. I guess that's the only reason they're playing there. Um, but Notre Dame's favored by 20 and a half. That line probably won't move too much. Um, ESPN analytics is given Notre Dame a 95.3% chance to win. I feel like that's a little low, uh, a little low, but, uh, you know, it should be a good game. Navy, you know, the way all the military schools always run the ball is kind of interesting. And sometimes it poses challenges for some teams, um, but nonetheless, Notre Dame is far more talented, um, and they should come out of this one with an easy win. Um, should be pretty much locked up in the first half, if not the first quarter. 20.5-point line, a little less than the USC game, but I, I'm going with Notre Dame and the and for them to cover by, will that be at least three touchdowns and three extra points? So um, looking for them to win probably by 30 or so, uh, maybe a little more, but like I said, maybe, maybe just plays some random good games every now and then. And you just never know when they're going to, especially with it being the first game of the season. Um, but really looking forward to Notre Dame as well. You know, um, obviously with Brian Kelly leaving, Marcus Freeman looked really good when he coached last year, obviously a lot of roster turnover. Um, you know, Sam Hartman's going to be their quarterback. 
that was kind of a big addition there. And then uh, shout out to a local Austin, Texas guy, Jaden Greathouse, the starting slot receiver for Notre Dame. Um, and the starter. Yeah, I got to shout out my barber. He has uh, wow. he's a huge Notre Dame fan, so he has inside knowledge on the Notre Dame football program. Dang. And yeah, Jaden's going to be the starting slot receiver for the Fighting Irish. That's awesome. I had no, I had no idea there. I remember when he kind of got when he signed, um, kind of on 247 Sports. There was some rumors about him. He's a bigger body dude, right? He's he's not like a burner. He's a big body, uh, physical receiver. And there was talk of him maybe moving to like a like a big slot or like like a tight end like a wide tight end type of deal, kind of like Dalton Kincaid was maybe. I mean, obviously Dalton Kincaid was a first-round pick, but like that type of player, um, kind of big slot off the line, in line sometimes. But I'm that, that's cool. He's gonna be, that's that's pretty sweet. Um, I'm excited to see what this Notre Dame offense looks like. You mentioned Sam Hartman coming in, coming over from Wake, where they threw the piss out of the ball when he was there. And frankly, I thought kind of going into last year that he was a name to kind of, kind of keeping the back pocket of, you know, hey, fourth-round quarterback maybe, didn't end up coming out, goes back to school, which I think was a great decision for him, by the way. Go back. I think for all these quarterbacks, if you're if you're not going to be a first one- or two-round pick, stay. Get your NIL money. No one gets more NIL money than quarterbacks on average, right? Get your NIL money. Go try and win and, and go to a program like Notre Dame with, with a brand-new offensive coordinator. Um, I don't – where did they, I don't, I'm, I'm going to blank where they hired him from. That said, I think this Sam Hartman-led offense is going to be different. They're going to throw the ball a lot more. They're going to be a little bit more of a modern offense, less of a you know try to be a pro-style offense with with reminiscent hints of this power run game that Notre Dame really couldn't contend. Um, you know, spreading the ball around with teams like Ohio State and getting to Alabama's when you get in the national stage. So. Really excited to see what they look like. Uh, obviously, Navy's not, um, you know, I wouldn't call them a formidable opponent for a team that's supposed to be 13th overall in the country going into the year, and is supposed to make some waves as an independent, playing a really good schedule this year. Really get Clemson this year, they get Ohio State. So looking forward to seeing what Notre Dame looks like offensively and seeing how they have adjusted their scheme, again, with, with a quarterback that I think uh, he's not a first-round talent by any means, I don't think, but I think he's a great game manager. I think he's a guy who's, who is an NFL quarterback, maybe a backup. But again, Sam Hartman's been in college football a long time, has played well. So I, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see what they can do offensively. And then getting into our last game, a similar time on Saturday evening at 630, Hawaii at Vanderbilt. This is an interesting one. Usually you take the ACC team all day, but it's Vanderbilt, and I have no idea what they're supposed to look like this year. So I'm taking Vandy to win. Point spread seventeen and a half. Maybe maybe Hawaii covers a little bit. I don't know. Maybe they cover. I hope they cover. I think it'd be great. I, I want this to be competitive because I know the other two games are going to be just they're they're not they're they're not going to be competitive at all. So I'm hoping this one's like a high scoring like a barn burner. But that said, it probably won't be. Um, Vandy could easily cover seventeen and a half. That said, I'd love to see Hawaii cover. Oh, for sure. Um... The only SEC team that's slated to play this weekend um, is Vandy. So, yeah, I mean, it's still at 17 and a half, 630 kick. Um, I'm going with Vandy to win it just because the travel is going to be brutal for Hawaii. Uh, probably something like a eight and a half hour flight or something like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, Hawaii probably covers. You know, I'm hoping they cover. Hoping we get a little closer game than 
some might think with the 17 and a half point spread. I don't, I don't know if they will, but at the same time, I I'm predicting that they will. So hopefully we get a close game there. Like you said, the other two probably won't be as close going back to uh, Notre Dame tight or Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. I just found it. So I wanted to clarify. Um, so last year they had Tommy Reese as their OC. He left for Alabama so they brought in – well, they didn't bring in. They promoted from within Gerard Parker, who in 2022 okay. was their tight ends coach. And hey, prior to that, good group. in 2020 and 2021, he was the West Virginia offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. So first year OC there, but nonetheless, he's been with the program for – this is his second year now. So uh, kind of has a gist for what they want to do and stuff like that and – I mean, hiring from within always has its pros and its cons, um, yeah. but definitely being in the program nonetheless, even if you're switching the system up, being in the program, knowing the guys is always beneficial. Yeah, no, 100%. I, Notre Dame is a big promote from within. I mean, shoot, they promote a Marcus Freeman from within, which is a great hire, by the way. People thought they'd go try and get Luke yeah. Fickle. And that guy, I think I even said on the pod, like, Luke Fickle's going to go to Notre Dame, and he didn't they promote Marcus Freeman, which was a great hire, I think. But um yeah that kind of wraps up the week zero games like i said i mean i think there's a handful like eight to ten maybe that are going on they're all small schools they're nothing that we're really going to spend a lot of time on um kind of shifting into a bigger picture outlook of the season we'll start with conference winners get into maybe some heisman talk playoff prediction and we'll talk about maybe some sleepers at the end that we think you know we that we aren't going to already mention in the conference championship talks here uh, and then in the playoff predictions so I'll start it out with the conference winners. We'll go SEC first. Uh, we've kind of listed them. We're going to go over them in order of probably the best conference. We've put the Big 12 third over the ACC, but it, it, you could flop the two. I'm not really complaining. Uh, the Pack we put last, even though they're probably getting a playoff team. The Pack's dead. So SEC's first, though. I'll, uh, I'll start out with, with – uh, I'm going to take Georgia over Alabama. Um I kind of floundered between picking Bama and LSU to lose to Georgia. Um, Georgia's coming out the East. The East is, I don't know how good the East is going to be. The same story every year. Last year's a little bit with Tennessee being as good as they were. And I mean, Tennessee's what, preseason 12? Going into the year that said, I'm low on Tennessee. I, I think there's a reason Joe Milton's a fifth year quarterback and he hasn't, for, for the fifth year guy that hadn't really gotten meaningful starting reps consistently. I hate to say that. He's uber talented. He's got a cannon of an arm, probably the strongest arm in the NFL if he wins the league right now. But I just I question what he's going to do, what the defense is going to do. They lost a lot last year, so I'm not as high on Tennessee as most are. I think Georgia's going to win the East again fairly easily. Their schedule's not that hard. Out of the West, it really came down to the fact that the Bama game is in Tuscaloosa, and I'm not ready to write off Nick Saban yet. I'm not ready to write him off. All right, his team's off is not competitive. Granted, I am concerned about the quarterback situation. You know, Tyler Buckner comes over from Notre Dame, comes with Tommy Reese. I don't know how – I mean, I mean, Buckner got hurt early early in the year and really didn't play a lot after the Ohio State game or the, so it was the second game of the year he got hurt. Um, you know, so I, I was just not confident like what we saw from Jalen Miller on what, a start and a half last year when Bryce got hurt. So – that said, I, I'm not ready to to close the book on them yet because of how talented they are at on the offensive line in the on the defense. And you're talking about preseason All Americans including McKinstry, J.C. Latham is a potential you know All American type guy. Dallas Turner off the edge. The defense is still very talented, 
So I'm not going to write him off yet as a as a non-contender in the SEC. That said, I think Georgia's reign is going to continue. They're going to come in healthier. They're going to come in less. Just they don't have to go through the gauntlet that 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 Alabama does in the West. So going to take Georgia over Bama in the title game. Um, Bama going back to the playoff, obviously. You know, still a loaded defense. I know the quarterback's different, but uh, Carson Beck's a talented kid. They have a lot of talent offensively still. The offensive line's going to be really, really good this year, and that defense is still loaded with NFL players. So I'm still taking Georgia. All right, I actually flipped mine. Um, I'm taking Alabama to beat Georgia in the title game. And, I mean, you could say Georgia preseason number one, back-to-back natties. Um, But I really think when you lose a quarterback, now granted Stetson wasn't anything special, but when you lose a guy – that was like a program piece as much as he was and kind of did all the right things and didn't was for the most part mistake free and you know always put the right pass always made most of the right reads when you get a turnover in that room uh, to Carson Beck yeah he's he's really talented he's high ranked recruit all that um, I just don't know if I'm buying into it as much as others are. There's still a really talented roster and very similar to Bama. You know, Bama has a turnover in the quarterback room, obviously, as well. Like you said, they have three or four quarterbacks in there, uh, two of them transferred in. And I think any four of those guys, I think all four of them have a shot to play this year. I don't know if they're going to find their guys quickly as a lot of people think they will. Um, I think it's going to take some, you know, kind of sifting through that room to see who is really their guy. And obviously playing in the West like Georgia does is not as, excuse me, I flipped that. Playing in the East like Georgia does is is not as competitive as playing in the West like Alabama does with LSU and all those other teams. Um, You know, A&M's ranked, but they're in the West and we'll see how they do. But still, nonetheless, um, better competition than what you see in the East with Georgia and I think Bama's, you know, out for revenge this year. It's going to be tough for them to not play well. I think, you know, Nick Saban's still Nick Saban. And how many times have they been a, you know, playoff seed, a conference champion, stuff like that. So I think they'll definitely play a role. And uh, a lot of the guys in that room are, you know, vets. They don't have many recruits. I mean, obviously they have recruits coming in, but they're one of the older rosters and, even in a quarterback room, like you said, like I said, the transfers coming in, older guys. Um, they have a more experienced roster that's going to, you know, be out to really make an impact this year and show everyone why they're still Alabama and stuff like that. And I just think Georgia's getting the hype because they won back-to-back nineties, but it's just not going to be as smooth a transition as some people think after losing a plethora of defensive guys. You lose A.D. Mitchell, who, yeah, didn't play a whole lot, but still it's a loss in the room and on the offense. And then um, a couple other guys, obviously Broderick Jones, um, seems like they lose a couple of linemen every year, and then the quarterback's the big one. So it's going to be tough for them, and I just think Bama's going to handle it better than Georgia will, and that's why I'm taking them. They're going to be more battle-tested throughout the season. I think it'll be good overall um, and improve their chances to win the conference championship game. Um Moving on to the Big Ten, though, that's the next conference on deck. I'm going with Michigan over Wisconsin. This one took me a few minutes. Um, when I was thinking about the West, it was Wisconsin or Iowa, and I just went with Wisconsin. Um, I just think they have a deeper roster. Yeah, Iowa's defense is good, but 
at the end of the day, you get Caden McNamara, and I don't know if he does a ton for your offense. Obviously better than what they had, but still, I mean, their offense was bad, and it's still not going to be great, I don't think. Um, It's going to be tough for them to compete for that title game spot against Wisconsin, who has a much more talented, experienced roster, especially on the offensive side. Um, And then in the East, I'm going Michigan over Ohio State and Penn State. It's going to be tough. Uh, You know, whoever comes out of the East is bound to win the conference championship game, but It'll be interesting to see which of Wisconsin, Mich- or excuse me, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State come out of the East, and they all three have a real shot. But I'm just going with Michigan once again. Another experienced team. They bring back McCarthy, Corum. Um, they didn't really lose a whole lot of guys. I mean, they lost Mozzie Smith, they lost Schoonmaker, and who else really? Like not that many dudes. Dow- or uh, DJ Turner. That's not that bad. I mean, they got yeah. a lot of guys back, and they already have, I mean, Jim Harbaugh still there, suspended for non-conference, but that doesn't really count. So, no, th- their non-conference is a cakewalk, too. They're not missing right. games. So, they should be coming out of that one loss probably in conference, um, either to Penn State or Ohio State, probably Penn State. Um, and I think they're going to make the title game and beat Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm I'm going the same here with Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, Michigan again returns a lot. They ret- I mean, they lose DJ Turner, but he wasn't even the best corner on the team. It was freshman Will Johnson last year who come, comes back as a true sophomore. Uh, it's probably a preseason Big Ten all or all Big Ten corner. Um, getting McCarthy back's big. Having a quarterback come back in another year. The the jump he took from year one to year two was huge. If he can replicate that from year two to year three. I mean, the, Michigan could finally get, maybe get over the hump and get back to the semis and maybe get to a title game. Getting Corum backs big, uh, frankly, I, he should have gone, and that's a different conversation maybe, but the fact that he's back is big. You're talking about two of the best backs in the country are now on the same team. They bring back almost, the, what, four or five offensive line starters. All they got to replace is a center, which I'm sure Michigan can do from within. I, they, you know, They're an offensive line factory right now. And I think that they – well, they get Ohio State in, in Ann Arbor. And while they do have to go to Penn State, Michigan, this Miss Michigan core is very proven and battle-tested. And they've gone to tough places. They went, I mean, shoot, they went to the horseshoe last year and beat Ohio State. So this team's gone on the road and won big games before. So I'm going to take them to beat uh, beat – kind of win the East – and then get to the title game and beat Wisconsin. Um, I do like Wisconsin about the best, I guess the most out of the West. I just don't love the options there. You guys talk about Iowa with McNamara, but it's a new offensive scheme. It's going to take them a year, I think. You look at Purdue as a sleeper maybe in the West, but I like what Wisconsin brings back, especially with Braylon Allen on the offensive side of the ball at running back. So big fan of what they got going on over there. And um, ultimately, I think they get to the title game and lose to Michigan. Getting into the Big 12 here, this is – I'm not even going to call this a homer take because this is what a lot of people have. I am going to take Texas Tech over Texas. Now let me provide – kind of expand on that and provide some insight as to why I, I made the, the Tech pick. I do think they're going to lose to Texas in Austin. The, you know, what, a week a week or so prior they play the weekend Thanksgiving. I do think that they lose that game in Austin. That said, I think – we looked at the schedule yesterday. All of their toughest games are going to come in Lubbock. Oregon's non-conference. I, I, I'm not talking about that. I think we should win that game, or we can win the game. 
we can talk about that later, you know, next week or the week after. Tough game there. That's at home. Kansas State's in Lubbock. TCU's in Lubbock. Houston's in Lubbock. You look at their toughest matchups are all going to be in Lubbock at the Jones. K-State's probably going to be a night game. TCU's already a night game. UH, probably an evening afternoon game. It's going to be packed. So I really think they've got – they have a tough schedule. Yes, they don't have the Oklahoma schedule. But they got all their games at home, which helps. I do think – I think Texas – has it? I think it's a nearly the identical schedule to what Tech to what Tech has, except for they're playing Oklahoma. Um, so similar schedule, same difficulty. A lot of their big games are at home. So I, think, I do think these two teams go to Dallas together, go to Arlington and play. And I think Tech wins the second matchup between the two. Really like what they're going to do off the on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive line appears to be the best it's been in a long time, like a long time. I, I couldn't even tell you the last time the offensive line was supposed to be this good. Bringing back a, a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Shuck, Baron Morton, the back of quarterback spot, which you never know with those two who's going to be starting, you know, week four weeks from now with injuries. Running back room looks great. I mean, Duran Bradley's going to be an all-Big 12 guy. Defensively, obviously, they lose Tyree Wilson, but, I mean, Joey, Joey McGuire even said in an interview this week, like just because I would I would take Tyree back in a heartbeat doesn't mean the room's deep, not deeper than it was last year. Doesn't mean the room isn't better overall uh, with the depth they're going to provide there. And I think in the defensive back room, they return everybody. They lose Reggie Pierce in Oklahoma, but they bring in C.J. Baskerville from San Diego State, who I think is a huge up. I don't say a huge upgrade, but he I think he's a better player and fits the defense better with the size he brings as a slot defender. Kind of a big set box safety. Um, you know, that said, I know this is a lofty goal for them to go win the big 12. That said, I don't know. I don't think it's that crazy for me to go, go put out there because I'm witnessing firsthand the, the change and the shift and, and the, I mean, in, in this is my fourth, this is my fourth football season in Lubbock. I've never seen this, this town and the city buzzing the way they are about this football team. And I've never seen. I've never seen a, a group so calm and coolly collected and confident at the same time. It's this calm confidence that they know they've got it going on, right? So I think that they, um, they've they got something special going on with the culture change over there that Joey's doing. And, and this, I think this city is really behind them, truly. Like, obviously, you have, like, you know, support from the city normally. But this is the year I think they're going to get sellout games every week where the, where the city's truly behind them, the town is truly behind them. Um, because they've got so much buy-in from everyone here, not just the student body, not just the, the you know the student athletes, but the whole the whole the whole city and the whole town is truly bought into this football program. So um, that's I think they lose the game in Austin. I think they may I think they win the the rematch in Arlington, and I think um, it puts them in the Sugar Bowl. We'll talk playoffs later on. I, mean, I don't think they're going to get there. I think they drop another game at some point. I think they maybe lose two. I think ten and two is a realistic regular season ceiling for us and that's what i think could happen here so um tech is the sugar bowl but i'll let you get your big 12 in here yeah this was tough um i was between four teams texas ou kansas state and tech and i was gonna put kansas state in it until i saw their schedule and they have probably the toughest schedule in the conference so had to bump them out probably gonna have two three conference losses maybe four um, that's not gonna get you in the title game so, looking at the remaining three, I had Tech, Texas, Oklahoma, and I just did not know who to pick. 
And I I went with Texas beating Oklahoma in the title game. And because I think Tech and Texas are both going to have one loss going into the Texas game. And if Texas wins that, that's going to put Tech at two losses. And Tech does not play OU this year. So... OU, if they have one or two losses, they could still get into the title game over Tech. And I think if they have two losses and a couple different wins, they'll probably get in based off head-to-head of who they played, even though they didn't play each other. Um, So, yeah, I'm going Texas over Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma's that good, but they have an easy schedule, so I think that's going to get them into the title game. Look at that. I mean, they've got a a cakewalk of a Big 12 schedule. Um, They play a lot of the new guys. And they get uh, their toughest. I mean, their toughest games on the road. Other than, I mean, other than Texas is, and they have Bedlam on the road this year. So, but yeah, they have an easy, easier schedule than you expected. Uh, that's, I mean, it's just kind of the way the Big Twelve shook out this year. Schedules were kind of random with no, no conference alignment yet. That said, I do think it'll, it'll, it'll sort itself out. I'm not, but I'm, I'm zero percent bought on Oklahoma. I think they're potentially like a seven win team. So, but that said, they do have an easy schedule and they're a proven program with a lot of athletes. So um, that said, it's, it's not the craziest thing to think that they could get to the big 12 title game. Um, I guess moving over to the ACC. The, I think my thought process here was, I thought about, I thought about UNC. The problem is I just, they lose some weapons offensively. I know Drake Mays really talented, but I have no idea what that defense is going to look like. So I went with Florida state over Clemson I think that's what most people are picking. I'm high on Florida State this year. I think they brought back nearly everybody. Jared Verse coming back is huge for them. They get to test them to what they have cooking over there in Tallahassee and, and what they can do kind of going forward and building that program back up to a, to a national power. And um, big Jordan Travis guy this year. We'll get, the, we'll get to that in a minute. But I'm a big Jordan Travis believer this year. Um, like I said, they bring back – I don't even did – did they lose anybody to the NFL draft? Like I think Pokey Wilson – I only know that because he's on the the Chargers, probably gonna be a practice squad guy. But like, he wasn't he was an undrafted guy. You know, I don't know if they lost a whole lot of production. Yeah. I know Micah Pittman transferred out to Utah, but again, that he was he wasn't a leading receiver for them last year. Johnny Wilson's back. They get all these guys back, so I, they didn't. I don't think they lost many impact players to the draft, if I'm not mistaken, if any. Uh, the safety Jamie Robinson was the only one, probably. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So yeah, he's the only he's the only impact guy that they lost. So I'm I'm taking them um, to win the ACC and and, and get to the playoff this year. Yeah, I'm going with the same thing. Florida State over Clemson. Uh, it was tough not to pick Clemson, but Clemson has a tougher schedule. Florida State doesn't have to play UNC. Um, you know, Clemson has to play Notre Dame, UNC, and Florida State. Tough for them, especially with a young quarterback. Young OC or first year OC, um, it's going to be tough overall, and it's going to be interesting to see how they go about, you know, transitioning and building up that offense back to what it was with Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, kind of hopefully somewhere near that level, because um, it wasn't the past couple of years, and that's what they need to get back to the playoff. Um, it's going Florida State, like you said, I'll keep it quick. Florida State's returning pretty much everyone, and they're looking good. I mean really well-rounded roster you have the receiver you have the edge rusher you have the quarterback you have a solid o-line and we'll see how that goes from there um but moving on to the final conference final power five conference in the pac 12 
that currently has four teams after this year. Um, going with USC over Oregon. I think USC has the deepest roster um, and probably a better offense just because better coaching around that offense, whereas Oregon's more of a defensive-oriented coaching staff and team. And I, obviously with they still have a talented offense and looking forward to seeing it in person uh, week two. But I think USC over Oregon in the title game just because um, I'm not sure how their schedules compare, but USC is just going to be a little more experienced. Um, obviously, a lot more guys that have been with that staff. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought about putting Washington in because they should have a really good year. I'm just not as sold on Michael Penix as some people are. But nonetheless, they're another team with a really talented roster. Um, I just think Oregon edges Washington out to get to that title game. Picked picked USC to win as well. Took them over Washington. Washington has an easier non-conference schedule. That said, this was before their their running back blew his knee out. I think I'm still taking them though. They have so I I, I think the way that the Pac-12 does it, I could be totally wrong, but it's conference record. And if you're tied, you then go to overall record. I have I, it could be that way. I don't know. Part of my thought process is Oregon has a tough a tough non-conference game coming to Lubbock and against a a hot Texas Tech team. So I, I went with the USC over UW. I also think Washington has a really talented skill skill group this year in the receiver room. I think they always have a sneaky good defense that no one really talks about them having a good defense every single year like they do Oregon, but it seems like Washington always has a pretty good defense. Um, and I think that Michael Penix, listen, if he stays healthy, he's super talented. I, I like him a lot personally. Again, this is a Kyle from a college level. I don't think he's an NFL guy. Health is a big problem. But if he can stay healthy, I'd love to see him stay healthy, get himself drafted, um, and get and get to this Pac-12 title game. That said, I think USC, too much firepower. He's still got the best player in the country at quarterback. Even if he doesn't win the Heisman, again, it, he's still the best player in the country, in, in my eyes, him or Marvin Harrison Jr. So um, he's still got Caleb at quarterback. Uh, they still have a loaded receiver room and hopefully an improved defense. So I'll take USC over Washington to get to uh, to win the Pac-12, get over the hump to win the Pac-12 and get to a playoff. So um, kind of moves us into Heisman talk, like I just talked about with Caleb uh, defending the Heisman. I don't think he wins it. That's that I have three. I, I listed three names of the top three guys I think uh, will end up being in New York. I'm Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. It's rare to throw, throw a receiver out there, but you look at what Devontae Smith did at Alabama a couple years, you know, what, three years ago now? And the just monster season he put up. And I know it wasn't a great, like Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great year. He missed a couple games. And Matt, it was Mac Jones was their finalist and it was COVID. But I think what Marvin Harrison can do for that offense it, with a new quarterback, he's going to be relied on a lot. And he could have a couple of chances against a couple of big, big 10, you know, less than stellar opponents to really stat pad and, and get his numbers up. So. Um, obviously I'm missing a couple of names. Drake May is a big one. Quinn Ewers is getting a lot of love from Vegas right now on betting lines. Understandably, they have a loaded receiver room, uh, high powered offense. Jaden Daniels is on the, is, I believe second in odds for a lot of places, um, behind Caleb. So a lot of names there that I'm missing. Bo Nix is one of them, Michael Penix Jr. So a couple of household names I didn't put on my, my top three list. I just, you know, I went with with Caleb, J. Trav, and, and Marvin Harrison. I'm I'm taking Jordan Travis to win it. I have Florida State making the playoff as as the number four team in winning the ACC. So if they can do that, and he has a good, and he has a great game against LSU, win or lose, 
I think I think he's a, he's a great Heisman candidate. He does it with his legs, does it with his arm. And they're I don't think they're going to give it to Caleb twice. That's the thing. I don't think they're going to repeat it unless he just totally blows his numbers out of the water that he did last year. And USC just runs the table and goes undefeated and is like a one or a two seed going to the playoffs. I mean, maybe I just I just don't think the Heisman voters want to give it to Caleb again. They you've seen guys who win it one year and then they come back and. They, they have another really good year. They just they don't win it because they don't want to vote twice. So um, I don't want to call it Heisman fatigue because it's not like in the NBA where like Peyton Manning where these guys win four MVPs. It's quick. I'm tired of it. I don't want to vote for this guy anymore. Um, but I guess Heisman fatigue, if you will, I think, I think Jordan Travis takes it home this year. Yeah, I, I had a list of four, but if I probably had to pick a top three, I don't – I just – it's hard for me to see – Marvin Harrison is a finalist with the turnover in the quarterback room. And even if even if he has a year that's not quite as good as last year, he's still going to be a top five pick, I think. I don't think the lack of QB play is going to affect his stock that much. And I think if I picked top three, it's probably Jordan Travis, Drake May, and Caleb Williams. Um, there's, probably, there's probably four guys that go. Um, I'm picking Jordan Travis to win it as well. I think just it's it's set up really well for him to win. Um, you know, everyone returns for him. He has another year in the system. You know, all that has never been a finalist, has never, let alone won it. Um, so I think everyone's set up for him. Everything is set up for him um, to win it. He just has to do his part and put up numbers that everyone's expecting him to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Caleb, Drake, um, Jaden Daniels, should all have really good seasons as well. Uh, Marvin Harrison, it's just tough for me to put a receiver in there as a preseason pick, even though as great as he is, um, it'd, it'd be really tough to see him being a Heisman winner, let alone a finalist, just because of the QB situation. If you know if Stroud was there another year, I'd probably say he's a finalist, but he's not. And you know we're talking about a completely different quarterback that he's working with this year for his final year presumably at Ohio State. So I'm going for Jordan Travis as well uh, to win the Heisman. But as we move on here, we're almost done. We have a couple segments left. We have the playoff prediction where we're going to predict the top four teams before it expands to 12 in a couple years. And then we're also going to have a couple sleeper picks. Each of us are going to pick two teams that, you know, people probably aren't talking about as much that do have, you know, a shot to win the conference and a long shot to make the playoff. Um, But nonetheless, a shot. Starting with the I will playoff. say, I will say on on Marvin Harrison, I, I I do just want to emphasize. I think that the the new quarterback helps him. That's the one thing I'll say. I think him having a brand new quarterback, whether it's Kyle McCord or I think it's gonna be Kyle McCord or what's the other kid's name? I don't remember. He's a true freshman quarterback, but I do think that having the new quarterback is gonna help him. It's it's like a it's like a rookie quarterback and a tight end, right? You're in trouble. You have no idea where to go. Marv, throw it to Marv. Throw it to Marv every time, right? That's at least that's my like part of it was I not only did it because of what Smitty did, and Mac was not a new quarterback, but he you know he wasn't the starter the year before. It's two had two had gone. That's the only reason I wanted to I, I did want to expand on that. I think it's going to help him the new quarterback. I could be totally wrong, and and they could have a terrible offense this year because quarterbacks can't throw the ball. But the offensive line should be good. I know they lost two tackles, but the offensive line should be good. I mean, Amike Buka is also going to be an All American probably. 
Julian Fleming's really good. They're going to bring in, they may always have a freshman receiver load and, you know, kind of in the wings. So I do think it's going to help him similarly to how when kind of things went awry and the pocket got messy, Mac kind of went to, went to Smitty a lot. Um, and they dialed up a lot of deep shots for him. That's the only thing I'll say. That said, the receiver as a finalist is lofty, I will admit. But I think Marv's generational. So, but I do think that I do think that the rookie quarterback or the rookie, the the new quarterback is going to help him. Because, like I said, when it gets messy, he might throw it to him. But I didn't want to add that in there. It's a little bit of a devil's advocate. Just a little devil's advocate. Play the other side, if you will. Yeah, I, I can see out. it. I can see that for sure. Um, just with how deep their offense presumably is going to be at least in the receiver room um you know you assume he gets the most targets and catches and everything but moving on here to the playoff prediction we're just going to pick our top four teams and this is going to reflect who we had winning the conference championships so my one seat's going to be michigan uh just over alabama because i think you know michigan's undefeated they're going to be the one seed unless you know i don't I, even if sec team's undefeated it's going to be tough to put them above michigan just because of Michigan's quality schedule. And, you know, I don't know if a team is going to win the SEC and be undefeated like we've seen in the past. I think both teams that enter the title game are going to have one loss or the team that is undefeated in the title game is going to lose it. It's just going to be – it's hard for me to see the way the SEC is so much more balanced this year. Hard for me to see an undefeated SEC team coming out. Um, but Alabama's going to be my two seed. Florida State's going to be the three. And then USC is going to be my four seed. So four of the power, four of the five Power 5 Conference championship game winners. Um, you know, the Big 12, UT would be my pick, um, is the championship champion that's not in the playoff. Uh, you know, they're probably like an eight or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going with... Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, and USC. So Michigan versus USC and Florida State versus Bama. Yeah, so I've got, I mean, we have three of the four same teams. Uh, the difference is I got Georgia at one here. Uh, one second. Someone's at my door. One second. You can talk about your playoff again, real quick. Yeah, so talking about four teams that I had, like I said, it's my four conference champions. I just think Michigan is going to edge out the other three to be the one seed because they have the more complete roster, more experience. They're going to lose more. And so at the end of the day, having them at the one seed was just ultimately kind of my decision and how I thought they would shape up. I think Florida State has a shot. I think this is a year where we it's probably a longer shot to see SEC one seed in comparison to years past, where it's pretty much a guarantee SEC winner is going to be the one seed. So. USC has a shot to be a one seed. They're going to have to be undefeated, though, um, to be a one seed going into the playoff, just with the Pac-12 being the way it is. Um, but, yeah, I think I think I got it in a good order now in terms of conference. Probably different teams, but I think there's a shot. We see Big Ten, then ACC, and then ACC and Pac-12. Yeah, so I, I handled the situation at the door. It was just someone dropping off mail to me. Um, dogs were broken a little bit, though. But... Um, Georgia at one. I, I think if an SEC team is going to go undefeated, it's Georgia because of how easy I think the East is going to be for them to win. Um, I don't think they're really going to get challenged much in the East, which I hate to say that just because, I mean, the fall from grace from Florida, Kentucky and Florida, Florida especially, right? Um, and I'm just lower on Tennessee. So I think if it's if it, so like if Bama wins, I think they're dropping a game. 
because they've got to run the gauntlet, right? So I think I think you're on the mark. If Bama wins, yeah, they're pulling out the one seed because I think Michigan could go undefeated. That said, like if there is a one loss team and it's Mich- of Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, I think if you look at what Michigan's the rest of their resume is going to be as a preseason, what two like two seed in the country, two or three overall, like the resume that they have of of going to Penn State if they win that game and, and Ohio State and kind of the rest of the Big Ten, I think is a better resume than what a couple of the other teams will do. Again, you could probably flip-flop Michigan, Alabama. It doesn't really matter to me. The CFP, I have no idea what they're going to do. Again, resumes are going to be a lot different. But again, Georgia's as an undefeated team gets my one. Michigan gets my two because I think, again, they lose one game. Oh, they go undefeated. The only team – so say all four of these teams go undefeated of, of the four that I have in here, Georgia will be – the one because they started the year as the one. I don't think they're gonna really gonna waver if they go undefeated. It would take some dominant wins from everyone else to unseat them, I think. So Georgia, Georgia gets the one as an undefeated team. I do think Michigan drops a game, gets the two seed. Uh, I get Florida State at the three because I think they do drop a game. That that game to LSU's in Baton Rouge. I think they lose that game. That's it. That's is that neutral site? Am I tripping when I say that? Am I just wrong? I'm gonna um, check before I last say that. year. LSU Florida State last year was at uh, the Saints Stadium, so it was basically an LSU oh, home game. Okay, where is so I this year? Is this year? This year should be Florida State or somewhere around there. Let me see. It should tell me on ESPN, although it might not. Let me see. Florida State, Florida State, Florida State, LSU. Oh, it's a Monday game, isn't it? That's what it is. It's uh. In Orlando. It's in Orlando. Okay. So it's new. It's the quote neutral site. Um, well then that kind of changes it. Even if they, even if that's the game they lose, which I think they could, that's a week one loss. If they lose that game, then they bounce back and go run the table the rest of the year. I think they'll finish ahead of USC because I do think USC drops a game. They have a tough, like late October, early November. I think their stretch was like, what did they, Utah or they have, was it Utah? Washington, no, Utah, Oregon, Washington. No, it's Utah, Oregon, Notre Dame. And then they finished UCLA. It's a tough stretch. So uh, I think they drop one of those games, ultimately get into the playoff as a one-loss team because I think, again, we're going to get I, – I don't think the Big 12, a Big 12 team – maybe if Texas wins as one loss, maybe they scoot in over USC. I just don't think that we're going to get – I think when you look at the resumes overall, what USC is going to do if they, you know – Win the Pac-12, probably a better, higher-ranked opponent in Washington or Oregon than it would be Oklahoma for Texas or Texas Tech. So um, probably USC gets in. It's again with Caleb, they're gonna want to get Caleb in the playoffs. So kind of that. I don't want to call it politics. That kind of plays into it as well. So getting them in there at the four seed for me. But I guess for me, I think Tech would finish somewhere in like the six to eight range if they win the Big 12, get the Sugar Bowl, and probably see Alabama there. It by my estimate right of what i think is going to happen um could all change this is all very fluid I, I had a hard time ranking them right like there's a lot you could flip them all around however you wanted to i think those are the four that get in though um being the four best conference winners likely um can i get into some sleeper picks though unless you have anything else to add for playoffs we can we can get the sleeper picks before we head out of here no yeah i don't have anything okay sleeper picks i'll, I'll get mine first we mentioned penn state um i just think people aren't talking about them enough because of the massive shadows that are one big, big 10 expansion of adding 
SC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, you know, in a year or two. Um, but I think additionally, the monster shadows that are kind of cast by Michigan and Ohio State, I think Penn State's really being looked overlooked. I mean, Kalen King is potentially the best corner in the country this year for, for, for Penn State. Chop Robinson's back. He's a great edge rusher. Olufashanu would have been the first tackle off the board in April had he stayed in the draft, comes back to finish his degree. He's probably the best tackle in America. Um, you know, they bring back a lot and they bring back a lot of really talented players who have played a lot of football at Penn State. So I think they're being slept on a little bit. That said, I, I personally, I mean, I'm not sleeping on them. I, I've heavily considered them to get into the playoff and win the Big Ten. I just, you know, it's tough, man. That Michigan team returning a lot. Ohio State returns a lot of talent. They're they're battle tested. So, uh, but Penn State's a team that I, like, don't be shocked if Penn State makes the playoff and shoot wins the Natty. Like they're at the that's the whole point of the sleeper team, right? They they can make the playoff and win it all. So, um, they're a very talented bunch. They have a lot of like again elite 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 NFL talent on that roster. So, um, literally looking at Penn State there, and then Kansas State out of the Big Twelve. Again, they return a lot of talent. I know they lose Felix and Adike Uzama, Deuce. Deuce Vaughn, who's, you know, two-time first-team All-American, all-purpose guy. But they bring back Will Howard at quarterback. Uh, they, they bring back a lot in terms of veteran, quote, veteran players um, in college. So, it, again, a team that I think is being overlooked by, obviously, the, the huge shadow that's being cast by Texas. I mean, they're, they're a preseason. They're like, what, four, 17, 18, Kansas State is preseason? T- uh, TC is 16. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not they're being overlooked per se. I just, again, the shadows that are cast by, again, Big 12 expansion, Texas, Oklahoma was cast a big shadow. Tech's, Tech's getting a lot of love right now, um, especially with this Oregon game coming up. So I think they're a team that's maybe being a little bit overlooked at the moment that I think could make a run, repeat, repeat as Big 12 title winners, and potentially, again, if they can win their tough games on the road in the Big 12 and come out of there undefeated, shoot, they're making the playoff at that point, right? So, um, or may, shoot, maybe they they could be a beneficiary of what happened to TCU last year. They they either win the they go into the title game undefeated, or they come out of the title game with a win and one loss, and they benefit from a USC folds in the title game or Florida State folds in a rematch with Clemson, right? Like maybe that happens and those teams are two loss. Shoot, Kansas State sneaking in the sneaking in the playoffs. So again, uh, I love that. I'll say this: the parity in college football this year is is unmatched to what I've seen. I don't want to say ever, but like I've been watching college football for a long time, right? It's I don't it's this parody is is unique and I, I think it's great. Um who knows how long it lasts with realignment and guys with COVID years are kinda almost done. Like there's not that many guys that are left that are have these COVID years. Um right. so I think that really helps with the parody. But that said, I, there's a lot of a lot of teams that go in all this year and I'm and I'm really looking forward to it. Um those are my two sleepers and I'll let you get yours and we'll hop out of here. Yeah, I like those two picks. I was thinking about Kansas State, but going a different direction just for the sake of repeating, uh, getting some different teams up here. I thought about – I had five different teams I was thinking about today. I had five different teams. Four of them were ranked that I was talking about as a sleeper. And I thought about picking Tech, and I was like, eh, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait to see how they perform. Um, but, yeah, I think my first sleeper is North Carolina, ranks 21 right now. Um, you know, they return a good bit of guys. Lost Josh Downs, um, but outside outside of that, they didn't lose a ton. Um, you know, they're never really a 
name roster. You never really like, oh, they have this guy here, this guy here, like outside of the receiver room and quarterbacks. You never really know a ton about their guys. Um, but there's a complete roster up and down. Um, they're ranked for a reason, and I think they should climb in the rankings before falling. And they, they have one of the toughest week one games, I think, playing South Carolina. Um week one so it's like the duke's mayo classic or something between the two carolina teams um but i think with drake may quarterback you know you should be a sleeper if you're not you know getting a good bit of hype and they've gotten some because of him but not as much as they i think they deserve and then notre dame's my other team a ton of people have different opinions on them i think with sam hartman coming in um they didn't lose a ton of guys either um they lost uh what brendan brendan jordan brendan joseph uh, their safety, and yeah. I think that was it um, in terms of big mayor. losses. I mean, may, been mayor. Right, right, mayor. What, was um, Jer- did Jarrett Patterson go pro to their center? Like, yeah, he did. But maybe. they replaced they replaced centers left and right, dude. They're they're in a line yeah. factory. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they didn't lose much though. You're right. They're looking good overall, and I think ranked 13 right now. They do have a really tough schedule. I sw- I will say this year, being independent, a lot of times you see them playing some not so great teams, but, you know, going to Ireland, the first game of the season against Navy is kind of a sleeper resume game. And I think not as much so obviously as their ranked matchups against Clemson and USC and Ohio state, which are three massive games. Um, You know, two of the three are at home. So if they win two of those three or all three of them, um, they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot. I think, they're going to have to go undefeated for a playoff spot. Um, but nonetheless, they have the talent to do it. I think with Sam Hartman coming in is better than what they've had a quarterback in a while. So um, I don't know who else on that roster that wasn't there last year is going to make an impact. I'm sure they got some good transfers, but I just think they're being overlooked a little bit. Being ranked 13, um, it was pretty respectable and about probably where I'd put them. But I just think as the season goes, we'll see them get the hype that they deserve. But I mean, obviously, with these teams being sleeper picks, it could go the wrong direction as well. It's just more likely than not that their stock improves. I mean, Notre Dame especially here, like, they're a team that we kind of never really know preseason for the most part. Like, hey, Notre Dame could make the playoff or Notre Dame could potentially miss a bowl. Like, and granted, they shouldn't because they play, I don't want to say cupcakes, but they play a lot of, I mean, they're independent. They have to schedule games. So, that said, I think you're right. If they can go undefeated or be one loss, they're going to have a top resume in the country uh, because of the talent they play against Clemson, Ohio State, USC. They play a lot of really good non-conference, non-conference. They play really good, a lot of really good elite power five programs this year. So usually I mean, they always get SC. They've scheduled Clemson every year for the last you know half decade, it feels like. So getting Ohio State on there again, what are they in South Bend this year? Are they in, are they in Columbus? Uh, it's South I'm trying Bend. to think back to last year. They're in South Bend. Man, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that one. That might be a, like a sneaky upset for a while. I was upset, but like a sneaky, really good game. Um, right. But yeah, so I mean, if everything goes right for Notre Dame, they they could be in the playoff, right? They're going to have one of the best resumes in the country to kind of to kind of back up their push for it. So that said, we've done this before. Where Notre Dame's ranked as like a top 15 team, and they suck for their yeah. standards. They're an, a seven, eight win team, and they don't do anything. So. Again, I think a lot of it falls on Sam Hartman's shoulders and what the offense looks like with him. So, going to be curious to see that. But um, but yeah, that wraps up first episode back from our our summer 
two and a half-ish month hiatus from the pod. Glad to be back. Glad to be back in Lubbock, settled in a new routine, back in, back at home, if you will, um, you know, for for time being up, you know, make a couple trips home over the semester. But um, excited to be back in Lubbock, getting a routine going. Not loving school starting, but who does? But I'm very excited to get football season started. College football, like I said, the parody is going to be great. Um, Tech's got a lot of hype, the most hype that they've had since the Mike Leach days, probably. Um, and I'm and I'm pumped to be here for it and witness it firsthand. And um, obviously, NFL is going to be great. But uh, college football is a different beast, man. College football is just there's something about it that waking up on a Saturday morning, throwing game day on, and, and watching day of college football is just uh, nothing like it. And so I'm um, I'm pumped, man. I'm, I'm really excited for it. So I cannot wait to get it covered this 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 semester and this year and this season. So um super super pumped about it yeah for sure i'm looking forward to it kicking off this saturday um but really kicking off you know next thursday yeah is when it really gets going um but nonetheless it'll be something to watch you know kind of just had you know some good golf tournaments recently but still um it's not college football and then we've also had mlb and we've had um what else we've had preseason but other than that it hasn't been a whole lot since really football wrapped up it's just been baseball and nba and nhl wrapped up in june and since then you know kind of past two and a half months it's, it hasn't really been a whole lot um just with the way the schedule falls between all the sports so looking forward to getting football back going uh, i know this is the football special uh that we have we're gonna have every thursday but coming out on tuesday like i said that when we kicked off the episode that Every Tuesday is going to be our normal episode. It won't be as spread out. It's going to be more centered around a couple of sports, what's the latest news. Um, but yeah, every Tuesday we'll be talking about everything important but football as we're going to leave that for the Thursday episodes. So that will wrap up the first football special for you all. And hope you have a good week, and we'll see you for episode 51 on Tuesday. Yeah, see you guys then.